Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Father Paul, Prodigal and the Priest and Me Day. What's up, man? What's up? How's it going? It's going good. Yeah, still doing well, being yeah. a priest and everything. Yeah, no, nah, doing pretty well. <laughs> doing all right. Good. Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Australians say that all the way, but uh, wait, what am I saying? Sorry, I just drank that whole bottle of water and I'm kind of disoriented right now. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Australians right. say that phrase all the time, by the way. They'll go, yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Who do you know yeah, that no. was Australian? Uh, a ton of guys. From the... Rome, from the neck, yeah. From, from the neck. Well, there you go. Good there guys. you have it. <laughs> For any of our Australian listeners... Yeah, shout out. Shout out. Down under. Y'all are mate. awesome. Yeah, oh. exactly. So today's so Prodigal sorry. and the Priest and me, and we got some questions that people have submitted, and we would love to answer. Um, once again, if you haven't had your question answered yet... Um, have no fear. We will get to it. I know, like, for example, Patty, you submitted one about a week or two weeks ago. We're doing some research on that one. Don't mm-hmm. want to give you any false answers. Bring so. it in the experts. Bringing it. Yep. Sort exactly. Of. Kind of. So <laughs> let's start out a little bit easy. Anonymous question. Also, I love that people are like worried what we think. Like that they have to keep their questions anonymous, but especially with this one, what is your favorite movie? (laughs) Like it was like, so I'm like, why are you worried what I think about your name? Like uh, anyway, but I don't know, man, just don't like to sign up for stuff. What if, what if I was the one who actually wrote that question? I would love it. Keep on. I I wish you argued questions against yourself. Like, (laughs) Went back, listened, and we're like, oh, yeah, I really thought about this. Let me ask this question. But anyway, well, that brings up a good point before we get into that answer. Mm. If you have a question, email us, prodigalandthepriest at gmail.com or stanamparish.org slash PTP or hit us up on any social media accounts. So mm. what is your favorite movie, Father Paul? You know? Or, yeah, eh. or top ones. I don't really know. <laughs> um. I don't know. No clue? <laughs> Nothing? Like a few? Yeah, okay. I've got some Hebrew movies that I like. All right, we're going to go to the next. No, I'm just kidding. La Malaya to Halal. That means uh, to fill the void. That's a really beautiful movie. It's thought-provoking, too. That's okay. really. Um, also one called Ush Bazin. I've mentioned it before. You have. Very funny. Um, <laughs> Ush Bazin? Um I don't know. I guess the thing is, I like movies. I just don't know if I'm like a really big movie guy. Mm. Yeah, I hear you on it's that. Kind of, kind of a weird answer. Because I, don't know. I like, also I like, like yeah, I don't watch a ton of movies more than once. Like I'll watch a movie and be like, oh, cool. But sports is where I kind of live more than movies. So Yeah, Rudy's your favorite movie, right? Rudy is not my favorite movie. I like it. And we can discuss that later because Father Paul has issues with Rudy. Second <laughs> off is uh, my movies up there would be like School of Rock with Jack, okay. Black. Jack Black. Love that one. 
Um, what's the one? It's all in Italian, and they get sent to a concentration camp. Oh, La Vita Bella. Yeah. Yeah, Life is Beautiful. Life is Beautiful. It's a really nice... It's a I really mean, good one. Sad, but beautiful. Right, but beautiful story. Um, There's... I, Sandlot. I, I mean, come on. Classic. I mean... Yeah. yeah, like I like all these movies. I just don't know like what makes it into that top tier for me. Maybe I've set my standards too high, but it just seems like there's there's like movies that I like and would probably watch again, I guess. Right. But I'm not sure what creeps out of that into like definitely greatest of all time, my favorite movies. It seems like the top tier is just too broad for me. Mm. Um, but there is a movie that I like quite a bit and have watched several times. Uh, it's an Italian movie called Benvenuti al Sud. Ah. Welcome to the South. And it's a comedy. <laughs> it's so funny. It's in Italian, but subtitles. Right. Uh, I don't think you can find it here. I had to buy it in Italy and bring it back as a DVD because I wanted to make sure I had it. But then you have to watch it on a Region 2 DVD player. It's all this stuff. Anyway. There you go. It's about people from the North going to the South. And it plays into Italian stereotypes. And it's just awesome because people in the North are stereotyped as being like very Germanic and like efficient and hardworking but everything is gloomy and just and people in the south are like you know we don't do any work we just drink espresso all day and play soccer in the piazza and it's pretty amazing because we (laughs) live in the most beautiful place ever um and so a guy gets punished uh for trying to uh actually kind of a serious serious thing um faking uh, an application to like move to to get a promotion in his job oh okay um but he is uh for forgery (laughs) yeah for forgery like it's kind of a serious thing but they're playing you know it's fun movie so so he doesn't get sent to jail instead he's sent to work in the south of italy and he's like he's he lives in milan he's like south like what do you mean south like bologna and that's like (laughs) not south at all (laughs) And they're like, no, 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 more south. And he starts getting really scared. He's like, like Rome. And then they're like, no, 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 we would never send you to Rome. That's too bad for anyone. And so like <laughs> his exile is to this place near Naples. And it's just, it's such a funny movie. Um, Benvenuti El Sud, if you can find it. If you can find yeah. Also like Braveheart and Gladiator. I like those. I feel like those are just, that's what every guy chooses as a favorite movie. I mean, they're good movies <laughs> i'm not doubting that okay calm down they're great movies <laughs> sure that they're good movies i've seen them before it's been a long time i like the star wars movies okay last jedi fight best movie of all time get out of here <laughs> right okay. now that next was, question is that, that was a great question a, thank you um can't commit to anything uh, let's go to brian brian had the courage to say his name all right. So Brian thank you, asks, Brian. thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for submitting a question. Brian, do you think we will see another Pope retire in our lifetime? Will this become a new normal thing? So just like, first off, before we go all deep theological, spend 20 minutes, and then we're like, here's our answers episode where we only answer two questions because <laughs> we're both so long-winded. Just really like, will we see Lightning another around. Pope retire? Yes or no? Nah. I say yes. Will this become the norm? Nah. I think yes. All right. Cool. Agree, disagree. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so to explain it, right, um, I would assume a lot of people know this, but Pope Benedict the Sixteenth was it in 2018? 
No. Uh, 2016? 16? 14? No, it was before that. Was it? I don't even know. It was a while ago. It was. It was like six years ago, I think. Okay, great. Let's say 2014. Yeah. We don't know. We don't, we know don't do date, any research. Pope Benedict normally. I remember it. Normally, a pope would um, go to the end of his life, die, right? And they would elect a new pope. Um, and he chose to abdicate the throne. Um, and his chair. <laughs> you're looking very confused right now. Am I saying something wrong? No, you're doing fine. Oh, okay, Just let me great. be. I'm a. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to come up with the exact date. He's I'm so processing. horrible at this. Right. Uh, finding um, like. So Pope know. Benedict XVI abdicated and he, he still, he lives in Rome, correct? Yeah. Okay. And so Brian's asking like, hey, I feel like he's kind of asking like, well, why did he decide that? I think it was and 2012. That's a long time ago. Yeah. That could be right though. I feel like it was before I came back for pastoral year here. Well, I feel like you're right, and I hate to say those words on the radio, but I feel like you're right because I want to say that Nikki woke me up in the middle of the night because she was. we had Dominic, and she was feeding Dominic, and she got the notification on Twitter, and it was like our time, like 1 a.m. or something in Texas. and. She was like, dude, Pope Benedict. She didn't say dude. She probably said like Is that what she said? The love of my life. Hey. <laughs> Something like that and said. It was like, yeah. hey, Pope Benedict retired. So I remember where I was now. I was in France, uh, sort of in the ambit of an airport. I think it was the uh like the Marseille airport or somewhere, waiting okay. for one of our friends to fly in. There were four of us already there. We were just circling around, checking the gas stations for some kind of food to eat, and it all looked nasty in the gas stations. Right. And France food's amazing generally. But um, So I was looking at this like grilled cheese, like a croque-monsieur kind of thing. Um, it's a dish over there. Yeah, yeah. fancy grilled cheese. Nice. Um, that had just been cooking in the gas station heater. All day, kind of like the gas station hot dogs at the yeah, end yeah, of the day. Yeah, the QTs. Just, yeah. Yeah, so, those are rough. <laughs> so it looked like that, and I remember looking at it like, mm. and this, uh, and then one of my buddies got a text from one of his buddies, and he was like, did Pope Bendick just retire? And, and we're like, no, no, that's obviously, like he's playing around <laughs> with you. And then we went to some restaurant and had to buy something so we could use their Wi-Fi because none of us had a cell phone with like data. Right. Um, and we were looking up and we we're like, this is this is not a hoax. And then our friend who was flying into the airport, it was the Leon airport. Um, when he got in, he had no idea because it happened while he was on the plane. <laughs> and we're, we're all just shell-shocked. Yeah. That's where I was. Sorry. Go on with the... What <laughs> we have lost all our <laughs> listeners for this episode and Brian is mad that we haven't. So, you know, I think what he's getting at is saying, you know, obviously he's asking... Do you think this is going to become the norm? Do you think we'll see more? Um, I just say yes, because I think sometimes those things like start precedence, but obviously that could not be the case. Why do you, what's your feeling on why you say no slash why would you hope not? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I say no 
because I have no idea. Like, I have no idea what Pope Francis will do or what another right. pope would do after him. Like, I don't know if this will become a thing. But I don't really, I don't really like it. Um, and I get some of the reasons for it, right? Like we, so JP2, for instance, very sick uh, for many, many of the last years of his life. Right. Um, not really able to govern at that stage by himself, yeah. like that sick. Yeah. Um, a beautiful example of suffering and like teaching us how to suffer in union with Christ uh, right. through his illness. But I mean, do you think that impacted Pope Benedict seeing that? I mean, I kind of do. Right. Um, and also like, so Pope Benedict gave us a reason when he, when he stepped down um, that I am not physically capable of this anymore. So basically his health, his health, his age, um, I think implied in that was that, you know, it's good for, I, I can't do those things that JP2 did in his prime when he was flying around everywhere and doing all the World Youth Days and yeah. going to, you know, topple communism and like, <laughs> and, and all that, like, he flew around a lot. Um, so I see those reasons, but I just don't really like it. I think that the the Pope as like... <laughs> Our gospel last weekend, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. It makes the rock feel kind of unsteady, um, that he could up and um, and retire huh. one day. And I'm not saying that it right. that it's like that it didn't happen or that they couldn't. Right. I'm just saying I don't particularly like it, yeah. um, and I kind of hope that it doesn't become a thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, <clears throat> Let's go sports. Nice. Anonymous asks, <laughs> how should MLB handle steroid users when it comes to the Hall of Fame? So what I think they're trying to ask is like somebody like a good example, Barry Bonds, mm-hmm. who, you know, hit the most home runs in a season and uh, ever, actually. Didn't he break the all-time record as mm-hmm. well? So um, should he be in the Hall of Fame? Yes or no? I say yes. I say yes as well. Actually, I wasn't waiting for you to tell me the right answer, you so I could waiting. agree. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely you affirmed it. my yes. No, I was, I was just trying wow, to think have, of my. Have your own up. thought, will you, Father Paul? Jeez. <laughs> no, I think that they that they should, and I get why. You know, people would say that they shouldn't. You know, they cheated to get this good, but I don't know. Like, it seems like I don't know. It's just it's complicated. There's yeah, it's very complicated. Yeah, like every so you know, if pretty much everybody is doing this to some extent, and that if just doing this thing alone isn't going to actually make you the greatest, mm-hmm. um, but also requires raw talent, dedication, all the things. Right. Um, sure, it is cheating and in artificially enhancing, but. I don't know. Where do you draw the line when you go down there? Right. But I guess where do you draw the line when you say, like, no, it should be in? So everybody, like everybody who cheats just gets in? Yeah. Kind of waters down both sides, huh? Yeah. It's a little rough. But I do agree in some sense, like, could Barry Bonds hit that many home runs over 800 or whatever it is if he didn't have phenomenal eye-hand coordination and be, like, a great player? No. Like, if you give anybody, like... Right, mm-hmm. um, but would his HGH? body have held up for for that long, without 
you know, the restorative effects of things like HDH. True. True. You know, same, but uh, yeah, I just think there's though, like, I don't know. I think there's amazing quality players that made a mistake who should be in the hall of fame. That's, that's my basis for it is like, I think Barry Bond should be in the hall of fame. I think Mark McGuire should be in the hall of fame. I think Roger Clemens, Roger Clemens. I think Pete Rose should be. That's where I was going with the cheating thing, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah, like I really I really struggle with that one, you know. So, and maybe we'll get into that some more later. But, um, yeah, I think it's very tough. Whoever asks this question, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough call. Like, do I think they should be? Yes. Is but it think, a perfect solution? No. No. Right, yeah. Yeah. Next question. All right. Should All right, this along? is right. Uh, this yeah, we're killing it today. We're on question number four, aren't we? Look at yes, us. number four. All right, how should if you missed it on YouTube, Father Paul just flung a napkin over his shoulder and made it in the trash and kind of kind of gave me a look like, did you see that? What's up? So Luca. that's right. Um, what would you say to people who? disbelieve in stories like Adam and Eve or Jonah in the whale. Mm. Okay. So I think what they're getting at is we've all met people that are like, yeah, I believe there was a guy named Jonah. I believe he was actually swallowed by a whale. So let's start there. When it comes to the Bible, the Bible is a collection of books mm-hmm. written in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so, let, let me tell you about this. Yeah, I don't please. know. I don't know how much you know about sacred scripture. <laughs> no, I like where you go with it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, just speaking from my own perspective, as somebody who did not pick up the Bible until later in life, when you first read it, I think a lot of general Catholics say, "Oh." Every, this is just like a nonfiction book, right? E- everything is just, I take as truth, mm, right? Yeah. There was mm-hmm. a guy named Adam, a girl named Eve, and seven days, and seven 24-hour days exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, all these things that we we fill in some if of the I gaps. If I do the math, I can figure out how long it was ago, because exactly. all the numbers are meant to be literal. Exactly. Yeah. Or Jonah, right? And and that story, Um you know, all these that play out and go down. So, but they weren't meant to be read like that. Like it's a collection of different books. I don't open a poetry book and read it the same way that I read a nonfiction book or a fictional book. Are, are you loving this explanation? Like, yeah. I've, like I've taught teens about scripture or something like that. So, yeah, no, it's good. Um, so what can we believe? Mm-hmm. Like, can somebody believe like if they're like just like set on it, they're like, no, I believe a hundred percent. There was a guy named Jonah, and he was swallowed by a whale, and then the whale vomited him up, right? And not not being like, hey, this is clearly a metaphor, you know, um, like it's trying to convey this truth to us, even though we know like that book was probably written in that, uh, you know. Um, type of uh writing of the time would show that this is a you know this is a metaphor and all of that Mm. right 
You, you get where I'm going with this? Yeah. So like, what? W- but if they're like set on it, can they believe that? I think it depends on what you're talking about. But like, okay, here's the thing. Um, so like on the one side of it, you've got what we would call fundamentalism. This, this belief that like, because the scriptures are the word of God, uh, with an implied, everything has to be uh, perfectly clear because why would God not speak to us in a clear way? Mm-hmm. Um, that I should be able to look at any passage and just straight up, like whatever it says in the most literal possible way is true. Um, that's not a nuanced view. Uh, that's actually a view which the church rejects. It doesn't mean nothing is true. It doesn't mean I'll get to that. So, right. But that's that's one extreme, fundamentalism. We're not fundamentalist. The other extreme is uh, you could call it rationalism, um, where you pretty much don't believe anything in the Bible, and you're like, these are just some nice stories, whatever. It. I he mean, didn't really mean eat my flesh and drink my blood. Yeah. It's just a metaphor. Yeah. And so, like, you've got those two poles, and one of them sort of represents faith, right? And one of them represents reason. Being Catholics, we're always sort of both and people, faith and reason, not faith or reason. Um, but that's, uh, and that's because that's how we're made, mm-hmm. first of all. But um, secondly, <laughs> When it comes to interpretation of the scriptures, like when you take into account the historical context and what is what is likely the audience and all that stuff, um, like yeah, it's 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 a good approach to take the literal sense of the text, unless it contradicts reason. Right, something that we know to be true from either faith somewhere else or reason. Right. Um, so that's the issue with things like young Earth, you know, Earth only being whatever two thousand something years old. Like, <laughs> right. Like, that's counting up numbers in the Bible and doing it wrong. Uh, numbers are extremely symbolic in the Bible, and the whole concept of counting history uh, is a very modern thing to count it in the way we do as an absolute thing. You used to. The, the typical way in the Bible is to count up like years during the reign of such and such king. And it doesn't mean there's no sense of, of time or of passing of history. Right. It just means like there isn't a concern for this happened 2,000 years ago and this this will happen in 1,000 years. And all that. That's not why we have numbers in the Bible. And I think that's an easy example yeah. to say like if you took this at a literal face value without actually trying to understand what it means in its context, right? then it's going to lead you to a place that is opposed to reason. But what about the person who would say back to you, well, Father, you just talked about, you know, like, okay, this doesn't make sense. It's not reasonable. Are not mm-hmm. miracles reasonable? Is not like, so mm-hmm. what about Moses? Like, did he really stick a staff down and part the Red Sea? Because that doesn't seem very reasonable. Or a guy named Jesus saying, this is actually my body and, and blood. Like, you know, like, so if our listeners don't know already, I love playing devil's advocate. Yeah. So, um, because these are the things, favorite thing. yeah. And no, these but are, but these are the things we hear all the time. And, and, mm-hmm. and teens say it to me and, you know, parishioners uh, say it and, and really devoted 
what I would call well-formed Catholics struggle with these things. Yeah, being like sure. when they're pushed back, you know, I remember a kid at college when somebody pushed back, they're like, well, why weren't there dinosaurs on the ark? You know, I'm like, yeah, well, awesome. I was like, okay. So, but I love that question, right. by the way. So, um, maybe Who says somebody, there weren't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, was every animal listed? Okay, anyway. but you, but in you talking just about reason, yeah. So what about that one? Okay, so miracles. Well, first of all, we believe in miracles. Yeah. Um, and but miracles are not something that's contrary to reason. They're suspension of the laws of nature by God's grace. Uh, so like that's a different thing. I don't know if it sounds like a different thing to you when I say it that way, mm-hmm. but that's a different thing. Um, it's a different thing to say like, you know, uh, waters, you know, <laughs> tends to, tends to coalesce into a single body mm-hmm. and has even kind of a center of gravity about it and doesn't separate of its own accord. But then to say, but God could suspend, suspend those laws. Right. Um, and that's a miracle. Right. Something rare that's supernatural. Anyway, um, so, yeah, what I mean by reason doesn't mean a reason opposed to uh, the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean is, like, <laughs> the application of of our trying to understand. Um, that's that's what I mean to, to approach the Bible with reason. Right. I don't know if that yeah. makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. So... Why is the Bible written? It's written to communicate to us who God is and what our relationship is to him. Does it incorporate history? Of course, because we're historical and God became man and he acted in history uh, right. before that. Right. Like, of course it does. Is communicating the exact chronology of historical events uh, the purpose of the Bible? No. But it does include history. Um, I, I like... I, I was smirking a little bit when you were talking about, like, would you read a poetry book like this? Because I say that all the time when I'm teaching RCIA and stuff, too. Nice. And one of my Me fa- and you. Same brain. Fa- <laughs> same brain. Yeah. S- shared active intellect. Um, that, that's a throwback for anybody who studied philosophy. Um, okay. But one, one thing, and I actually stole this from a friend of mine, but... Uh, one example I like quite a bit is Robert Frost's poem, right? Uh, two paths diverged in a... The road less traveled. Yes, yeah, I know. Not even the best, of whatever. Um, two paths diverged in a wood, and I, I took the path less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. I went to Middlebury for a language program. That's where Robert Frost lived. Like, outside of Burlington, in the woods of Vermont, at Middlebury College. Um, you can go and see it. Right, but that doesn't mean that the poem that he's writing, which has a verisimilitude, that's a hard word to say. It's a word I've read a lot. Um, it means it kind of looks real. Um, sorry, I had too much coffee earlier. <laughs> Getting a little hyper. Um, he's not actually talking about a path, right? It's obviously a poetic metaphor. Right. Is he drawing on imagery that's like, in his lived experience? Yeah, sure. Think of the woods in Vermont near Burlington when you're reading this and it gives it a lot of depth. But the point is like he made a choice and everything depended on that. It's not like, oh, you can go and see the path he was talking about. Right. So 
that's a very poetic thing. But there's a lot of books in the Bible that have significant history in them and are not purely poetic. Uh, but almost always the history is told in such a way as to communicate a theological point. Yeah. And I think like it's it's so hard to know what happened historically, uh, even a couple decades ago when you start getting down to little details, like on a small scale mm-hmm. of individual action, if it's not recorded. Um, so like when we get back to thousands of years ago, these events, like how important is it really? Right. Um, it's important for me to to know what this what this book of the Bible is not trying to say to me. Right. And so it's important to do historical study to figure out how much we can know and, and all that. But like, right. that's not normally the point I'm talking old Testament, much more than new Testament. I, right. I always forget to make that distinction early. And then people think like I'm saying the details in the gospels aren't important. Let, let me just say yeah. the gospels written by eyewitnesses yeah. or in Luke's case, by somebody who's interviewed eyewitnesses and been a sometime companion of Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, the the we passages in Acts of the Apostles, for instance. Like, right. those are contemporary accounts. And that's not anywhere near the same thing as what you're dealing with in the historical books of the Old Testament, let alone much more poetic ones right? like Genesis, which incorporates intentionally very poetic structures to reflect a liturgical creation, a liturgical sort of form to the creation of the world. Yeah. According to order, seven days. When you compare that with the tabernacle account in Exodus and then with the temple, the building of the temple, right? Um, Solomon's temple, um, like there's intentional, strong, poetic correlation to it. Right. Um, and it's hard to really get beyond the his beyond the poetic structure to know like is this detail historically true? Is this detail historically true? There are some things that we have to assert. Pius the Twelfth talked about this in Humani Generis, specifically with regards to uh, our human ancestry um, and the creation of man, and all that stuff. Um, you can. <laughs> that's such a cop out. You can look that up on your own. <laughs> but I just I I don't want to get bogged down into that and lose sight of the actual principle here. What is God trying to communicate to us through this book, which is his inspired word? Yeah. Um, and then being able to make a distinction in that and say like, okay, you know, maybe there was a Jonah. I'm not sure. Maybe not. Does it threaten my faith if there wasn't? Well, it does right. kind of confuse things a little bit when Jesus appeals to the sign of Jonah. Mm-hmm. I struggle with that one. But the book of Jonah as it's written, like when you study the idiom of the day, that's what you're trying to get at before. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it's written in such a way that it's, it's trying to be surprising and funny because uh, everything that God commands Jonah to do, he does exactly the opposite thing. There's all sorts right. of irony in it. And then I don't think we're meant to think Jonah was alive in the whale. Um, Seems like he died and went down to the deep, which is a symbol of Sheol, and then you know it's a it's a resurrection symbol, which is what Jesus is appealing to. Does that mean it didn't happen? I don't know. I don't know if it happened or not. Right. <laughs> right? Um, Literally, people are asking us questions. We have no idea, people. Yeah, that's. The, that's the I don't know. Is kind of the 
basic answer to, <laughs> you know, most of these questions. But I hope that doesn't sound scandalous to people. Um, and no, it I makes think sense. they need to hear that. <laughs> because, like, we're not fundamentalists as Catholics, but we do believe in the Bible. We just... Right. We My uncle to, Tony, if he tells a story, like I'm not always like focusing on every little detail. I'm t- I'm focusing on the message of the story he's telling and not fact checking. Like, oh, you told this story about catching fish. Was it really 42 fish? Was it really 50? You know, like, yeah. like there is a focus on the message that it is. And like you said, for Old Testament, not New Testament, you, yeah. right? Like, you know, I, like, so I, I know Catholics tend to think of the Bible as the New Testament. So everything I just said, like. Not so much about the New Testament. Right. That's a different animal. But I'm talking about the Old Testament here. Right. Um, and you you just reminded me with the story of your Uncle Tony. Like, the way I tend to think about the Old Testament um, is the way I tell my vocation story. I've told it enough times now that I kind of have different versions of it, all of which are true but some of which like combine certain things yeah. um, like the chronology of events. Mm-hmm. And that's not even the most important part. The most important part is that I'm looking back and I can see God at work from this moment to this moment to this moment, like tracing a straight line through the messiness of my own human history. Um, and when I look back, I see that. I see how God was leading me to this point. Right. That's what the Old Testament is doing with the history of Israel. It's theological, uh, what would you call it? Um, Retrospect, I guess. Looking back with the eyes of faith, seeing how God had led them out of slavery into the promised land, and then how through idolatry and Mm -hmm. all this, the Babylonian exile. Um, Like it's trying to make sense of all that and see God's, God's uh, work at work. Yeah. His hand at work. Yeah. Yeah. See God's hand at work through all that. And it's doing so under the guidance of the Holy spirit. Um, That doesn't mean that every detail has to be chronologically in order. It does mean that the details are important and shouldn't be dismissed out of hand for no reason. Right. Yeah. But it's also like, what's the point of this? It's yeah. to show me God at work in history. And that's the that's the tension that you have to, to live with yeah. when you're trying and to read the Bible in a Catholic way. Exactly. And as somebody I know, you very much love and respect St. Jerome, you know, in, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. And so, yeah. you know, I, th- I think it's one of those ways that we a lot of times justify saying, well, I'm not going to read this or... See if it doesn't make sense, you know, and and we have to. I'd encourage you to lean into that, to dive into the Old Testament. Uh, like, yeah. So, can I say one more thing on it? Uh, no, don't have time. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, Saint Augustine had this beautiful. You always uh, have to one up me. I was like, I no, no, no. You're making this great Jerome point, and, yeah, and it sounded ahead. even sort of concluding, like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. we're we're headed to the end. Saint Jerome, ignorance of Scripture, ignorance of Christ. I encourage you to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Great. Go for um, it. Now, go ahead. So, uh, Augustine. <laughs> um, Augustine asks the question at one point: Why are there confusing passages in Scripture? Why even have them? Because it's pretty clear that what we need to know 
where our salvation is revealed to us in a clear way. Otherwise, what's the point, right? Um, so why have the other stuff? And it's because of the formative um, value on our faith that it gives when we wrestle to try and understand, when our faith is seeking to understand mm. uh, these things. There is a church uh, in Paris called Saint-Sulpice, and in that church is a very beautiful painting of Jacob and the angel wrestling. From Jacob's perspective in the painting, he is trying his hardest. He's wrestling with this angel. Um, Tell me your name, that kind of thing. Read Genesis. It's in there. Right. From the angel's perspective, he's dancing. This graceful, elegant dance. No effort whatsoever. Um, that's kind of how our faith works is right. like wrestling you know i need to understand this but all the time god is sort of like dancing with us yeah like moving us to the place gracefully where he wants us to be and it feels like such an effort on our part sometimes to understand why isn't this clear all this it's us it's our it's our faith maturing yeah which requires some struggle amen to that well i think that's a good way to end it huh today We've gone gone long enough, two long episodes given people this week. So uh, make sure to submit those questions. We want to hear from you. Um, we love uh, um, and support our fans and fans or whatever we want to call them. But on behalf of the prodigal and the priest and me. Listeners. Listeners. That's it. Joey Scansella, Father Paul. God bless.